All right, welcome back to another spontaneous episode of Z Dunks NFL. This week I have a guest, Caden uh, from work. What's up? From work. <laughs> so, Caden uh, is a Saints slash Bears fan. You could call him a football enthusiast. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, I find it hard to have people on this show that uh, both know what they're talking about and or are fun to talk to. So, Caden checks both boxes. So, because it is Thursday, me and Caden were thinking of previewing upcoming week seven. Uh, we initially thought about week six, but at this point with the Eagles and Giants playing tonight, we're going to set our sails forward. So there were a couple matchups this week that we were really looking forward to. Um, we had talked about the Steelers and Titans. So yeah. what are you looking forward to in that game? I'm looking forward to seeing how Big Ben performs with um, a good team, against a good team. You know, the Steelers' schedule has been light so far, and we haven't really seen Big Ben need to throw the ball down the field post-surgery, as we all know he missed a, a lot good point. last year. It's a good point. Um, and we'll also see the same thing with Tannehill. You know, he's had a couple tough matchups, and he's looked great, but this Steelers' secondary has really punished people, especially the run defense like Derrick Henry. When we talk about a complete defense, I think of two teams. I think of the Ravens and the Steelers. If you look at both of them, they have playmakers on all three levels of the defense. Solid pass rushers, run stoppers as well on the D-line. Solid fast linebackers. I mean, you can look at Patrick Queen, the rookie for the Ravens. He's played really well so far for a late first-round pick. Yeah. I remember we had talked about first-round picks. Yeah. Um, and then you talk about the back end. Both teams have very solid back ends. Joe Hayden could be comparable to Marcus Peters. you got to really like what both those teams are doing. Two possible Super Bowl contenders. 100%. And I'm, I'm happy to see the AFC is actually pumping out multiple contenders again. Yeah. There was a good... 10, 12 years where everybody knew it was the Patriots and whoever else from the NFC. But I'm liking how there's more powerhouses in the AFC this year. Yeah, there's so, been a lot of transitions. So when you talk about Big Ben's shoulder, do you think he is going to look more towards Chase Claypool this weekend? Or do you think Juju comes back on as the wide receiver one? Um, I think we'll, they'll try to force the ball to Juju in a matchup where Juju will have to play his best. And, you know, we haven't really seen him boom that much being the number one wide receiver on his team without Antonio Brown. But someone we should really be watching is Deontay Johnson, someone who's been hit by injuries a lot this year, but is the number one target on the D on the offense on the Pittsburgh um, and lines up on the outside a lot. So we'll see him a lot this Sunday. It's a good this point time. you make. We can't forget about James Washington either. Okay, so that is a big game upcoming. Uh, now to talk about a couple of our personal bias, we're going to discuss uh, – uh, the Jags game right now. So the Jags play the Chargers this week in uh, what is not a super exciting game, but because this is my podcast, we are going to discuss my <laughs> team. Uh, Gardner Minshew last week threw for over 300 yards, but uh, he had an interception and uh, he's got some issues holding on the ball. I really think that Herbert's coming into his own. He's looked fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kenneth Murray on the defensive side for the Chargers, if you watch him play the Saints last weekend, was flying all over the all over the field. So, uh, got to be excited. DJ Chark's questionable. Uh, we really would like to see him get healthy. He's been banged up through this season, and uh, considering he was a pro bowler last year, it really has been quite a fall-off for him. Um, any playmakers you look forward to on the Chargers or Jags for this matchup? You know, you did mention Justin Herbert, and I'm extremely excited about Justin Absolutely. Herbert. The production we've seen from him in his past two games, you know, excluding obviously the bye week last week, was two games where he threw for a total of seven touchdowns against That's mean defenses insane. like the Saints. Seven, you seven know, touchdowns. Everyone talks about Joe Burrow, and now it's two a time, but right. everyone's kind of already forgetting through only one bye week that Justin Herbert was slinging the ball 
arm cannon like Mahomes. Yeah, he was. He did not look like a rookie out there. No, I have to give you credit. Like, like, especially considering his wide receiver situation. Keenan Allen was was uh, you know he was out for a little bit, and they had a couple practice squad members that just showed up and showed out. And I don't know if it's it's them being underrated or I don't know if it's Justin Herbert just playing way above expectations, but. Um, I'd have to say out of the rookie quarterbacks, he's impressed me. Him and Burrow are probably my most impressed, you know, class classmates so far of that 100%. draft class. So, hundred um, percent. I am excited to see what James Robinson does. Uh, yeah. He's an undrafted rookie. Okay, uh, last week was the the first week of the season. He did not break a hundred total scrimmage yards, which was unfortunate. Uh, it was interesting that the the Detroit Lions, who had seeded the most rushing yards a game, essentially, through the first five weeks of the year. They've been uh, awful. Absolutely stuffed the Jags. And I have to think uh, Matt Patricia, actually a defensive mind, uh, just honed in on his team, stopping the run. And I think this shows the Jags not only are weak in the passing game right now because of Chark, but also in the rushing game. So uh, two defenses that I think are going to give up a lot of points this week. I'm expecting a high... A high percentage, a high percentage of touchdowns, but you know we'll have to see what happens. Now, uh, going on to a, a lesser-known game, uh, the Cowboys and Washington Football Team. What are we thinking about that one? Well, last week we saw the Cowboys implode against the Cardinals. You know, losing what twenty-eight to ten against them, only scoring the touchdown in the late fourth quarter in garbage time. Um, on with Andy Dalton under center, the Cowboys look awful. They look like That's they're not point. going to be able to win a division like the NFC East, which the Washington football team is in. And there's only a couple of wins that you need to win that division in the first true. place to get into Very the playoffs. True. Very true. So it's really sad to see what happened to that Cowboys team. Well, actually, um, with the Giants at 1-5, and five, the Eagles at 1-4-1, one, and one, Cowboys at 2-4, and four, and the Washington football team at 1-5, and five, uh, tonight's Thursday night matchup and this Sunday matchup will determine who leads the division after this week, which... You know, we could have a division leader after week seven with two wins. Two wins. Two wins. Let let that sink in. Let that sink in. Two, two wins. Uh, That's that's pretty depressing. So not much more to say about. I mean, Scary Terry, he's exciting. You got to like him. And uh, Amari Cooper is, he was the number one with Dak, but now it's starting to seem a little little sketchy with Dalton at quarterback. So we'll really have to see how that high-powered Offense and terrible defense of Dallas adapts to this new situation. Now, we had discussed the Eagles game. So, the Eagles and Giants are slated to play tonight. Who are you looking for in that game? I'm looking to see what Carson Wentz can do. You know, he he's going to get Lane Johnson back tonight, all pro guard. You know, he's got Travis Fulgham, who for the past two weeks has looked excellent yeah. in the offense. Yeah, you know, pulling in catches that nobody thought an undrafted free agent who... Did anybody know his name in the preseason? I no. don't think so. Nope. You know, you don't expect to see that. So we'll have to see what he does against Giant against the Giants, who have a high rate of pressure on their D line and a great corner in James Bradbury. That's a good point. You talk about James Bradbury. I think he's one of the top coverage corners in the league this year, and sleepily low key underrated because the Giants are just a dumpster fire of a team. And I think Daniel Jones has really not shown progression that he we need to see out of his second season. Uh, with receivers like Darius Slayton and, and tight end Evan Ingram, who you could claim as a receiver, essentially. Yeah. Um, they really haven't done much. And I wouldn't say that they're starved for talent. I do think they have some good playmakers on that side of the ball. It's just they haven't had good scheming, and I think you could blame Jason Garrett for a lot of that. 
Uh, there's a reason he was fired in Dallas, and there's a reason why he's struggling in the Giants. I think he's an inept coach at all levels, and I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on that because Dallas didn't even like the guy to begin with. And you go over to the Eagles, go over to the Philadelphia side, their linebackers have been depleted, their D-line's been depleted, their secondary's been depleted. This team might be one of the most injury-riddled in the NFL, and you hate to see it because, you know, we love competition and iron sharpens iron, but with... Uh, the unfortunate, you know, events that happened to the Eagles. It's been uh, a season that they have not foreseen. They have not expected this many injuries and this much adversity. So, uh, I think Eagles win tonight, though. You think so? I think they take away the dub too. Yeah, I think that they'll take away a win tonight against the Giants. They're just not good enough to keep up, even with the injury-ridden Eagles. Score prediction? Uh, Eagles win by seven. I saw they win by a whole touchdown. All right. Well, going off that, I'll say 21-14. I'll say it's a relatively low scoring, but there will be touchdowns. Moving on to the Panthers and Saints. Saints is one of Caden's favorite teams, so I will let him take the floor for a couple minutes, talk about what excites you in this matchup, and who are you looking for? Well, Sunday, we'll hopefully see Michael Thomas back on the field. Drew Brees, average depth of target, less than five yards without Michael Thomas. It's been yep. absolutely awful. Drew Brees looks washed without Michael Thomas on the field. Alvin Kamara has been a saving grace to him and has looked like the best back in the in the game, honestly. Absolutely. And he's going to run all over of this Panthers defense, which is just filled with young talent. While it's talent, it's young. It's not developed yet and they have been bleeding to the running back position. So expect Kamara to have a huge game today. I say over or on Sunday, over 150 scrimmage yards. Yeah, I'd have to agree. What are your thoughts on Jared Cook? Jared Cook, he's a good tight end. You know, he'll he's going to get catches um, on Sunday, and he's going to maybe fall into the end zone. But, um, you know, and he, he'll be fun to watch. He's he's a good, you know, he can, beat, he can beat linebackers. Now, when we talk about the Saints defense, I mean, it's not – I don't think, in your mind, reach expectations. I think it's completely underwhelmed. Not at all. Consider what happened with the Raiders. Consider what happened with the Chargers. They really have been shredded on the back end. And 100%. while they have all pros like Demario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins, uh, they do need help. So, what do you think? What do you think the Saints' game plan should be to slow down Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? Honestly, you got to cover the deep routes. You know, Robbie Anderson is one of the best um, receivers in the game after, yeah. uh, with yards after catch right now. You know, if he can beat one guy, if he can break one tackle, he can take it to the house. You got to be concerned about that. You got to keep a safety deep like Malcolm Jenkins who can read the deep routes, who can read the receivers like that. And I think that the Saints really have been plagued by injury this year, too, with Marshawn Lattimore and Demario Davis, both missing multiple games, including Janoris Jenkins as well. See, that, that's a good point you make. With the depleted secondary, you'd hope that the backups would step up. Uh, Patrick Robinson was in last week, and he got caught lucky in the backfield while Mike Williams just blazed past him for a 70-plus yard score. And you can't have that. You can't have that in the NFL. You cannot have breaks and laps and coverages like that. That will kill your team, and it will kill your season. Uh, I think the Saints are going to have to work on stopping the big plays. 100%. So, uh, going on to uh, the Browns and Bengals. This is an interesting matchup uh, because, you know, I didn't think the Browns would be here. I mean, I assumed the Bengals would be here, but 
Who would think the Browns would be four and two? Four and two, it doesn't make any sense. And I guess you might have to give it to the schedule because of how bad they looked last week against the Steelers. Thirty-eight yeah. to seven. It, they do not look like a four and two team. Right. Look at Baker. Man, Baker, does he look bad? You can yeah. see people, his receivers, Odell Beckham, getting angry on the field at how bad Baker Mayfield has been. Not only under pressure, but just in general with his throws. He overthrows guys, he underthrows guys, he can't get the ball out. Now, what Kevin Stefanski has been brought in to do with the Browns is to run the ball, which he's done effectively. They're the best running team in the NFL by far. Their offensive line creates so much run blocking to allow Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, when he comes back from injury reserved, to run all over defenses. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you talk about uh, their potent rushing attack, it has to be a credit to their O-line. They've they've built it um, through the last couple years in the draft, and uh it's definitely shown, but Baker Mayfield uh, reminds me of Nick Foles right now. I think the Bears have a really good record, and I think the, the Browns, for what it's worth, have a pretty good record right now, but how sure are we of those teams? Are they contenders, or I think most of us will lean towards pretenders because I don't yeah. think the way you've seen them win games is super convincing. I think if you're a fan of those teams, you're 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 happy, but you're a little nervous because you understand that uh, while it is going okay now, you understand there's a couple leaks in the ship and the hull might just flood in the next coming weeks. I really like that analogy, yeah, especially with the Bears. I mean, you don't know why they're 5-1 and one right now. Um, their quarterback... That's a great point. You don't yeah, you he, don't know yeah. why they're 5-1. and one. They are, but when you think about it, you're like, well, they haven't really impressed anybody. They're yeah. just... They found a way to win. How many? Yeah, how many games have they really beaten their opponent instead of simply just you know, oh, they beat them by a field goal at the late fourth quarter, you know, or yeah. something. You know, it came down to the wire, and it attributes to the defense. Now, a win is a win, and no one knows more about that pain than the Falcons or the Lions, <laughs> as both of these teams have been choke artists, as if the Tattletale Strangler had come up into their crib and gotten every single one of their team and faculty members the last couple seasons. The Lions and Falcons, maybe the two most storied choke franchises. The Lions, for the first time in a couple years, did not choke a 10-plus a point halftime lead against the Jags last week. Now it's the Jags, so, you know, it's not super impressive. Um, that team was already down on its luck. Uh, but you talk about the Falcons. I mean, they fired Dan Quinn. The season's been a hot dumpster fire. Last week they whooped the Vikings, which I did not see coming. Me neither. Um, maybe they had a little fire under their belly after the new head coach. Yeah, rallied uh, under the firing. Um, I am just impressed with the way these two teams have, um, you know, altered their fortune. Because I could see both these teams being three, four win teams mm -hmm. if they were able to close out games. So yeah. what? What? What's the difference between a team that chokes and a team that can close? What are they missing to finish? Well, I think specifically for both of these teams, for the Lions at least, it's their run game. They finally established their run game in DeAndre Swift last week. And while DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson might have both had 14 carries, DeAndre Swift finished with above 100 yards, and Adrian Peterson had... Two scores, too. Yeah, and two scores. Adrian Peterson had a goal line touchdown and nothing else to speak of when it came to yardage. So now that you've finally established the run... You know, the Lions can open up deep routes to Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, who are amazing deep receivers, and start gaining leads and being able to keep them by establishing the run. You know, not being able to establish the run allows for big, you know, interceptions, big plays to be lost, and opportunities for other teams to come back. Now, when you talk about Matt Ryan, uh, you look at his stats, um, 
he had a really good week one, and then he was quiet for the last couple weeks, and then he lit a fire last week. Uh, how comparable do you think Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford are? Very. You know, we saw what Matt Ryan did without Julio Jones, nothing. And we saw what Matt Stafford did without Kenny Galladay the first couple weeks of the season, absolutely nothing. They are quarterbacks that are good, are better than average, but need a number one receiver to be able to open up the field for them, to be able to get separation, to allow them to have their little margin of error. Yeah, I mean, that's a great comparison there. I definitely would lump those two in. Similar age, too, of those quarterbacks. They've both been in the league quite a while, some Wiley veterans. We're going to talk about two more games. Uh, so this was flexed into the Sunday night primetime, the Seahawks and Cardinals. This is an interesting one. The Cardinals may be surprise team this year. I mean, uh, we knew they'd be solid, but... I was not expecting. I was one of the people who expected them to be bottom dwellers again. I mean, it's still relatively early, but Kyler looks fantastic. D-Hop hasn't had that many targets, but it doesn't matter because they're winning. The efficiency has been great. We saw last night, or I'm sorry, we saw earlier on Monday, Monday evening night, when they yes. faced the uh, Cowboys, Kyler Murray only completed nine passes, but his rushing ability is really what's making up for his lack of efficiency in the passing game. You know, he's able to run, get the first down, you know, on a third on third downs, you know, if, if coverage breaks down and he's not able to check down to someone like Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds. Kyler Murray can save games, and we've really seen him evolve into a better quarterback this year, and that's what we can attribute to um, the Cardinals' better record. It's a good point you make, uh, the little things. The ability to extend drives, the ability to get points when otherwise points wouldn't be there with a pocket quarterback. I think Kyler's opened up this offense, and I think he gives more opportunities to uh, the defense as well because they get more rest, they get more time. And you saw they had a couple turnovers last week. They could have had twice as many. Buda Baker got his first career interception. Yeah. I was surprised. I thought Buda had a lot more picks than that. That was That's crazy to hear. I right. didn't hear that. Yeah. Right. And then the Cardinals' defense uh, – is full of playmakers, you know, Chandler Jones, and then they got they got a lot of good linebackers. I think the Cardinals are going to meet their match this week, though. Yeah, it's going to be tough against the Seahawks, who, I mean, just look invincible. You know, the whole let Russ cook, you know, motion, um, or mo- yeah, movement on, um, right. on social media must have struck into the heart of Pete Carroll and Russell because they are slinging the ball down the field to their weapons, DK, Tyler, you know, and they are getting points, and they are winning. Yeah, it was. It's not the defense that you should be afraid of. Um, no, definitely not. With the season of October among us, most feared players. Um, I'd say Russell Wilson, Lockett, and Metcalf form a a, a trio, a, a three headed goat, if you will, of just nightmares. And it's nightmare fuel that offense because you think about how to stop them and. You know, they can beat you with a 70-plus yard. Russell Wilson's the best deep ball throw in the NFL. 100%. 100%. Can't disagree with that. Metcalf and Lockett both have 4-3 speed. It's yeah. insane. And then you have uh, huge tight ends. And then you have Chris Carson if they ever decide they want to run the ball. Yeah. If they want to run the ball. Now, the only weakness on this team is that defense. That defense is seeded about 28 points a game, and they really need help. But it hasn't really mattered because it's like the Chiefs model last year. Just score more points Just than your team, and you keep winning. the other team. Yep, it's yeah. insane. The Falcons, with their bye week already baked in, have a, have given up 167 more receiving yards than any other team in the NFL right now. Yeah. They're absolutely bleeding at defense. Yeah. So, we're you know, you can expect to see huge games tonight from DeAndre Hopkins, from Larry Fitzgerald, and even from names like Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. 
That's a great point. Um, I'm excited to see. It's going to be a fireworks show, I believe. Oh, High yeah. scoring. Oh, yeah. uh, Bears and the Rams are going to be our final game that we discuss on this podcast. Uh, I'm going to let Caden give his hot take because the Bears are one of his favorite teams. So what are you thinking? I take the Bears to win this game. You know, which doesn't seem like a hot take. The Bears have a better record than the Rams, but mm-hmm. the Rams, in my opinion, have been the, the hotter team so far. I take the Bears to win this. I feel like their defense will be able to stop what Sean McVay wants to do on offense, pre-motion with the snap, establish a run game somehow with uh, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, get Cooper Cup and Robert Woods those short routes to just keep extending the drives over and over until you get into the end zone. And I feel like the Bears are going to stop that. The only thing that could stop the Bears from winning this game is going to be their own offense. The difference between Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles is not that big, folks. They both suck. They're both terrible. They're both not doing good in the position they're being paid to play. Um, People like Allen Robinson and even David Montgomery are saving that offense with the talent that they have. And it's going to be interesting that night to see who comes away with the victory. Now, uh, there's a couple models for success in this league. There's sayings such as uh, offense is the best defense, defense wins championships, and we've seen Super Bowl winners uh, with both models of teams, we've seen the Steel Curtain in Pittsburgh in the 80s just dominate with defense and Terry Bradshaw on their quarterback. And we've seen teams like the Chiefs who have no defense and just score more points. So, in your opinion, do you think the model for success in this league is a good defense or a great offense? You know, I think you have to play to your coaches and your staff's strength. You know, you're not going to get, if you're a new head coach or if you're, you know, a new player in an offense or a defense, you're going to want to be related to the coach staff. Each head coach is either offensive or defensively minded, and you're going to have to suit your team to those head coaches' ideas because those head coaches are going to know what's best for their team. If they need to have a good offense, with if they have good offensive talent, then they'll use that to their advantage to win games. Personally, I think offense wins games, especially in the new pass-heavy NFL that we've point. seen from the undefeated Seahawks this year, the Chiefs this year, you know, even the Ravens have started really passing the ball or trying to pass the Just ball. Just score more, more points. Time. That's that's the name of the you game. You can score more points. Shootout, shootout city. Um, And all you need from those defenses is uh, one or two playmakers, and you only need one or two stops on defense. So, you know, the Chiefs get maybe one or two turnovers a game, and that's all they need. Um, the Ravens' defense, you know, they, they're a complete team. Um, but the Rams, I mean – uh, I've been impressed with uh, Jared Goff. I think he's improved this year. Last year he was, you know, not not much to look at. I think Jared Goff really was wearing thin on a lot of Rams fans' patience because, you know, second overall pick, first overall pick, you know, Wentz was second. Uh, he really needs to, to show why he was first overall. And we look at Baker Mayfield. He got pulled last week. I mean, your pick proves nothing. It's your performance that shows your true grit. Uh, the Rams are hot, though. And it's a good point you made that coming off a couple wins, and uh, I think the Rams are a team that you don't want to mess with right now. Um, But you pick the Bears. I'm going to pick the Rams in this one. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be a moderate scoring game. I'm going to say 28-21 Rams. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a lot of field goals. I think it's going to be touchdowns, and I think there's going to be a couple spurts where it goes back and forth, and then there's a lot of defense in between. So um, if that's what happens, I called it here. Um, but uh, that's pretty much a wrap for the week that we were discussing. Um, what's one thing that you're looking forward to this week above all else? Man, that's a good question. Yeah, to wrap it up. I'm really, I'm really looking forward 
to seeing if Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield. I, it's going to be a okay. you know a Heisman v Heisman a matchup bet. We'll we'll really get to see and see who see who improves. You know, see who's the be, um, the better Heisman Trophy winner. I'm going to turn that on its head. I'm going to go to the Cardinals for another Heisman winner, Kyler Murray. Uh, and I'm going to say uh, I think Kyler Murray's the franchise guy. I, I wasn't sold last year, I'm going to be honest, really? but I think Kyler's the guy. And that's a big take because we're going to really see his true grit against, you know. 100%. Yeah, Ross. So, yeah. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. Of course, um, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll see what happens.